Hey friends, as this episode comes out, I'll be celebrating my birthday. And in light of this, I think less podcasting production this month would be a kind gesture for myself. But at the same time, I do want to keep this show rolling consistently. So I thought I'd share with you another podcast called Yoga Changed. And I actually got to be on their show. I had the opportunity to have them interview me. And in this episode, I share all about how yoga changed my life. And I do realize I don't share that side of me very much um, on Yoga and podcast. And so I want you to know my story about uh, all about how yoga changed my life, my 18-year career teaching mind-body disciplines. Uh, I share a lot about what it was like, what it is like going through burnout. And I also talk about the pandemic and what it was like for me and how I had to shift my mindset and find abundance and gratitude in the small things. I also speak about how much I didn't appreciate yoga in the beginning and how I was so skeptical of it. Please go and follow Yoga Change Podcast. Adrian and Mia, the host of the show, have a really good thing going. And if you like yoga and podcasts, I know you're going to love them as well. Enjoy this episode, y'all. Next month, and they're all going to graduates. Give our Hey Yogi's, Mia and Adrian here. We have a super amazing interview for you today. We traveled up to Austin, Texas, went to this Austin Central Library and met up with Ashley Weber, host of the Yoga and Podcast, as well as just a super funny human being. We were cracking up in this little dark library room and the other people in the library are probably wondering what the hell is going on behind that glass door. But uh, so I'm super excited for you to listen to it. Let's dive right in. Zadrian and Mia, welcome to How Yoga Changed My Life podcast. Today we are up in Austin. We did a little uh, relocation of the podcast to the Austin Central Library, which actually is a beautiful space. And we are here with the lovely Ashley Weber. How are you, Ashley? I'm good. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. So Ashley reached out to us, and she has her own podcast called Yoga and dot, dot, dot. And I'm so excited that we get to talk to her today and hear her her yoga origin story. So Mia, you want to take it off? Sure. I think Adrian teed us up perfectly. Tell Mm -hmm. us. Let's actually start with you. Tell us about yourself, Ashley. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh. Well... I'm a 37-year-old cat mama who loves to teach yoga, Pilates, and meditation. I've done that my whole adult career. Um, I feel like I was meant to be a teacher. Uh, I'm a seeker. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. There you go. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. So obviously we know a teensy bit, your whole adult career, yoga, meditation, Pilates, but what's your origin story for yoga? How'd you get into it? How'd you find it? Well, I'm, I was always a Pilates instructor before anything else. I got certified when I was 20 and, um, my acupuncturist actually told me, I, you need to go to yoga that your nervous system sucks basically. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'm like, I do Pilates. I don't see what the big deal is. And to be frank, there was a lot of resistance getting into yoga because 
I'm kind of, my younger self was definitely more like a know-it-all, like mm. I know everything. And so to be vulnerable in that way, like it's mind-body, it's same, but different. You know, um, in yoga, you're holding postures, you're standing. Pilates, you're not doing that, right? So my first yoga class, I was like a baby giraffe being born. <laughs> like it was so awkward. I know that feeling. And, and it was you know, my ego suffered, you know, in my early 20s. So I, I was like, I'm not going back. But clearly it got me, you know, so. So before you had, you said you got your Pilates certification when you were 20 years old. So mm -hmm. what's like previously, like what was your first experience with fitness or with Pilates or mm -hmm. with yoga? Mm -hmm. Like the first time you had mm -hmm. a yoga class or experienced a yoga pose? Ooh, well, um, I'll mention kind of the motive motive for wanting to even start in mind-body practices. And then I'll mention specifically my first yoga uh, class. Okay. So when I was really young, I uh, was a teenager. My mom took me to like a Pilates class, um, like a mat class. I lived in the country. I lived in Lampasas, Texas. And there was like a Central Texas college. There was a college um next to it that had adult vocational classes. And we would do, roll around the floor, do a bunch of Pilates mat work. That reminded me of ballet. I love ballet. Mm -hmm. I, was not, I was not a fitness kid. I was that kid who was in soccer, afraid of the ball. Like I was never competitive. So I never had a relationship with movement at that point, but that Pilates class really something clicked, right? And so then I moved to Austin from the country to get certified and then and then I kept noticing, you know, Pilates is great, but like there's a lot of stretches that my clients need that I don't know. Mm. And um, specifically mat stretches. So that piqued my interest in wanting to learn about yoga. And then my acupuncturist encouraging me, I was like, there's, there's a reason why like so many people resonate with yoga. I wanna figure out what that is. So my first yoga class, you know, like I mentioned, it was really awkward. Like I just didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know. And uh, were you in high school when that happened, or what, were you older? Uh, I was older. I was already in a quote unquote an adult. <laughs> right, you know, I was right. like twenty five. What? What? I couldn't even tie my shoes at twenty five. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, but yeah. So here's here's what I didn't like about my first yoga class. Oh, I love this. Tell me they, more. <laughs> well. I'm a skeptic. I, I was a non-believer, like I, you know, spiritual. I was like not spiritual when I was that age, mm -hmm. and I'm like they're alming, but no one's telling me why they're alming. They're just expecting me to alm, mm -hmm. like mindlessly obey, and so I would never alm when I would go to eat. So I went to like a handful of classes. I wouldn't alm. I would judge the hell out of the like why they're not telling me like why we're alming, you know. Um, but there was something about yoga that I knew people loved it. There was something there, and I was just so curious. I wanted to find out, like, what, the, what is the big deal about yoga, mm -hmm. you know? Because my clients, my Pilates clients, also would go to yoga. And, uh, and so I knew people loved it. I didn't know why. And yeah. so I, I'm, like, such a little scientist in some ways. Like, I have to excavate and figure it out. And I figured it out, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and when did you figure it out? What was that switch for you? Ooh, ooh no one's ever asked me that. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, well, there was there was, there's been a lot of layers. For me, this is a little bit dark. 
but um, it's okay. We uh, love dark. You know, I'm I'm an introvert through and through. I'm a Virgo. There's like the hermit card associated with that sign. Um, I can be a bit of a hermit, and honestly. Uh, when I'd go to yoga classes, we would check in and they would ask me how I was doing. They'd ask me how I'm feeling. And when you're, you know, single girl alone, sometimes you go days without anyone asking you specifically that. Yeah. And so it was a sense of care. It was a sense of community. It was a sense of um, someone holding space for you. I went around holding space for everyone all day in my profession, in Pilates, so having someone hold space for me just was so healing and important. So that was like stage one. And then stage two, I took a mentorship program, and everyone in that program was an empath. I had, no, I had no idea I was one at that time, and I found yeah. out. And I didn't know that I was an emotional sponge and when I get done with work, I would just like be basically dead on the couch, unable to do anything. I just thought that's what everyone did after work. Yeah. I didn't realize how unhealthy it was. So, you know, yoga has always been this pathway for me. I think for a lot of people, perhaps it's a pathway of self-knowing, self-discovering. Mm -hmm. And that has been my pathway. And it's been really accessible to me. You know, I live in the Austin area. The yoga community is alive and well here. Very well. It's not I hard know. to find a class. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really been a social thing for me, too. Oh, you know? for sure. Well, you said it best. You said community and a sense mm -hmm. of care, you mm -hmm. know. And me and I can totally relate to the feeling of, like, being just drained after a class because... I think that people that are drawn to yoga teaching uh -huh. are empathetic people, right? We're compassionate people and we have that ability to sense mm -hmm. the actual scientific energetic body that has been proven to be around our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. We can sense that. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's just something that we're drawn to, but you're right. We have to take care of our own health and wellness to be able to be there for other people. Yeah. And I'm so glad y'all can relate to that because I thought I was such a weirdo. I thought mm -hmm. I was the only one who had that problem. And then, you know, as I get to know more people within this, just this yoga community, you know, mm -hmm. I, I've, it's so validating to know like, oh, you're a little bit sensitive. I'm a little bit sensitive. I was told my whole upbringing being sensitive was a bad thing. Oh, yes. Now it's my superpower. So it's just been so healing to be around like-minded people in that way. And out of curiosity, did you ever or, you know, are you in the process of figuring out, right? Or a balance, like, have you ever figured out how to not be drained at the end of the day, like that sponge that needs a wringing out on the couch? Mm -hmm. um, what has that looked like for you? Oh, my journey with that has been, you know, there's been therapy, there's mm -hmm. been a lot of self-exploration, a lot of self-help books. Um, but the big thing is, so I know this about myself, um, I receive value from being the space holder, the people pleaser, the helper, the helper. I receive so much value from that. Or that was how I earned my value in my family dynamic, you know, mm -hmm. my upbringing. And so what I've had to, you know, and I'm human. I'm going to be working on this my whole life. I don't have it nailed yet, but I'm more and more okay with saying no to people, with being, um, you know, not everyone's yes girl, you know, I'm more and more okay with that as I get older. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the wisdom of saying no, you're creating space for something 
better to come, but you have to keep the faith that it will, right? And so I, I say no all the time to things because it, it's about discernment, you know? So that discernment is what, and I mean, honestly, being a student, I have to have someone hold oh, space yeah. for me. If and When I go for stents where I'm not being a student, oof. It's yeah, bad. It's yeah, bad. It's bad. No, I know. And it's interesting you said that too, like about holding space for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And learning how to do that as a yoga teacher, as a Pilates teacher, as any uh, educator, right? Mm -hmm. Learning mm -hmm. that and not taking on the feelings of other people. Um, that was one thing over COVID mm -hmm. when we, uh, my family moved from Chicago to San Antonio right at the peak of the beginning of COVID. And COVID. we also were part of opening a studio at the same time in San Antonio. Oh my gosh. So getting there, getting that all situated and all that stuff, like I felt really like heavy energy. And then we mm -hmm. would meet people over the years that come in and they're like, oh, my husband just died. You know, I just found out that I'm pregnant. Or you get a lot of people, they know you're not their therapist, uh -huh. but they feel safe talking, mm -hmm. right? Which or is rare. Rare, right, and sharing with you. And so I actually went and got my death doula certification because I felt like I needed to understand the oh. grieving process, the dying process, like just as an educating. How to hold that trauma. Yeah, because I just wow. felt so heavy and so horrible after I would leave and felt like, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? You know, mm -hmm. um, and just worrying about the space that I left that person in. So, yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. I highly, highly recommend doing it if you're ever interested yeah. in it. I mean, we all should know about death. Yeah. Well, um, I just found out Erica Badu is oh, yeah. a death doula and a birth doula. No way. And she doesn't accept money. She just does it because she feels called to do it. I'm like, what a badass. It's like, a really <laughs> cool experience. Ever since that's happened to me, I've had a uh -huh. ton of friends call me with people that are um, past, mm. you know, that are at the end stages of life and, you know, asking for advice and, you know, even like legacy work and just doing things like that to keep someone's name alive, mm. you know, and giving people that little advice when they need it. But like going back to you too, I want to understand like, so from a Pilates standpoint, do you feel like you're more of a Pilates? Because you know, there's always like the yoga versus Pilates, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I do not believe in anything yeah, like that. Yeah, in yeah, in yeah. my opinion, yoga is a collaborative experience. And you're very mm -hmm. lucky and blessed to be in Austin where it is a very established, you know, practice that people recognize mm -hmm. as beneficial. Mm -hmm. In San Antonio, it's still like, it's growing. It's very, but it's mm -hmm. new. It's very new still. It's still kind of like people are like, well, well, I don't want to stretch. You know, yeah, it's yeah. boring. It's like no, no, no. You have no clue. But <laughs> no clue. No clue. It's a very, very young yoga city. Yeah, but it's growing and it's so cool to watch it. You know. But when yeah. you were talking about like Pilates, right? I went through a mat Pilates training mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I learned so much about the body through Pilates. Mm -hmm. And I find it really interesting that there's like you're either a Pilates person or you're a yoga person. You can't be both. Do you know what I'm talking about? I totally know what you're talking about. And it's you're a unicorn if you've done both. Yes. So yeah. unicorn to unicorn, I love that you've done both. <laughs> Have you done Pilates? I've or done taught it. it. Not an instructor. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, uh, there's another friend of mine um, who's been who's who's another unicorn. And <laughs> um, OK, so this is what I want to say about because, OK, so I'm a full time teacher and I have to teach a variety of things in order for this to be a sustainable work life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I will always kind of have my hand in a few different, you know, m modalities. Right. Um, Pilates, specifically Pilates equipment, the machines that um, kind of 
give you this closed kinetic chain where you actually feel where your body is in space? Yes. Okay, so I came from a place of having zero relationship with my body. I didn't know where my body was in space. So I needed some, you know, feedback from spring resistance to, like, get a sense of proprioception, like, oh, my arm is behind my head. I can't see it, but I know what muscles I should engage, right? Mm -hmm. So I really needed that foundation of a baseline of just being literally in my body. So then when I went to the next step for me was, oh, yoga, I can be in my body. I can be on a mat and I know where I am in space. And then the beautiful thing, as we know with yoga, is, you know, you go into all the layers, mm -hmm. the physical, the mental, the emotional, the bliss. And so it was like I had to go out with Pilates externally, feel my body to go in with Pilates, with yoga. That's a really cool way that you said that. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize when I mean, we all don't have the best mind-body connection, right? Mm -hmm. We don't mm -hmm. really understand where we are in space most of the time. Like I love in class and you've probably seen it a thousand times as well or a million uh -huh. times when you're like, lift your right leg and someone's like left leg. It's like, no, your <laughs> other right leg, yeah. you know, yeah. and then it's yeah. their arm. And then, then <laughs> they pick up their arm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's like getting that and getting past that um, judgment in your mm -hmm. brain. Like there's something wrong with you because you don't know where your body parts are. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Well, and to answer your question about like more Pilates or more yoga, um, Pilates, I've been teaching it for 17 years, but you know, we all have a unique rhythm in which we move through life. Right. And my unique rhythm is kind of slow. I'm not a hardcore person. I'm not intense. Like, I will never be intense. Um, I mean, I, I have my moments, right. but, and I do love teaching Pilates, but I also, <laughs> I will reveal this secret to you. Ooh. I don't feel like, I feel, I don't feel like I'm an intense enough teacher often. I feel like I'm like, kind of want to bring my maternal nurturing side of who I am. And I want, I want to focus on like really nice breaths and stretches. I don't want to do a ton of planks and core and yeah. obliques and hundreds and, and butt <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like, well, that sounded bad, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Sound bad. Uh, Who here wants to do butt stuff butt today? Stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nope. No yeah. butt stuff. But I mean, and I, you know, I, I make it work. I do work hard for my clients. You know, I'm very dedicated, but, um, but yoga, specifically yin yoga. Oh my God. Yin mm. yoga changed my life. So tell me more. Mm. What was your first experience with it? Well, I, you know, I was just... I, I learned how to receive, like I was never one to, you know, the old Ashley, like pre yoga, you'd give old Ashley a compliment and I just shrug it off. You know, I'd be like, yeah, man, yeah, I guess I, I guess my hair looks good. <laughs> and, you know, yin yoga, you know, growing up in this American Western culture, like we're never encouraged to slow down. I don't, I never was, you no. know, we're never encouraged to go inward and stop and be still like stillness was like the worst thing ever, Absolutely. you know? And so it was so profound. It, it, it reached me in a life in a point in my life. I, frankly, I was probably burnt out during this part of my life as I was finding yin yoga and my yin yoga teacher was like, Hey, you can do less and receive more. Yeah. And if you want to take a nap on your mat, you can do that. And I'm like, what? Are we allowed to let people do that? <laughs> like, aren't we like, you know, in workout clothes? Like, I don't understand. And so it was so, and, and I love, it just feels good in my body. It balances me out um, from the shoulds. Yeah. And 
So, and th- that's actually how I've been able to get into meditation was a pathway through yin, you know, slowing down, f- embracing being really sensitive naturally. So I get to feel my internal world, you know, yes. um, do y'all like yin yoga? Are y'all yin? Oh, oh absolutely. Ooh, absolutely. I thought so, but oh, yeah. I, I just oh, yeah. wanted to hear it. Well, and we both did a uh, yoga nidra training together oh. um, from a lovely lady named Liz, and she did a phenomenal job. And mm-hmm. I, it was funny going through, and I'm sure you might have experienced this doing yin training as well, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. having to stay awake when you're trying to learn because oh, it's yeah. so like puts you to sleep. Yeah, you know? you're so relaxed. Exactly. Yeah. And we're definitely not encouraged to be still. Like you said, like stillness is the worst. Like it's an absence of productivity, you know. So there's a big, big, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think also just when we think about wellness spaces, it's often thought about physical activity as it relates to wellness. Mm. But what can come with like rest and restore is just beautiful. And so that actually leads to my next question. What does the new Ashley look like? The Ashley that receives? Uh Oh, yeah. Well, I just also want to touch on you meant um, health and wellness industry. I jokingly call it wealth and hellness. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's the best name I've ever heard. She's writing that down. I'm writing that down. Wealth and hellness. Hellness. Oh, my God. That's great. We curse on our podcast, too, by the way. Okay. I was hoping. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, I think I. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I cannot cannot filter myself like mm. that. I'm a sailor. (laughs) I love that. Um, I, the new Ashley with yoga and knowing how to receive, oh my God. Okay. Let me just tell you what I've been doing for three years now. So I wanted to do, it was actually during 2020, I wanted to prove to myself that I was lucky and that I could receive because mm. I wasn't sure. And obviously 2020 happened, you know, very devastating and very root chakra, like jarring, right? Yes. Very ungrounded, um, you know, no money, how am I going to pay, you know, like so many people. And um, so I started writing a list, not out of like, what, mm, what is the universe going to give me? (laughs) But more like acknowledging all those small little moments of like, sweetness, like people giving me gifts, or like, the barista giving me a free coffee, or that happened actually a lot one year. No way. Um, Did they? They have a crush on you? Mm, I wouldn't even know. No, Adrian, she was lucky. Oh, I was lucky. I was lucky. Uh, that would be cool. That would be cool too. But, um, but basically, lucky to be so hot. <laughs> Why? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, see, I can receive compliments now. Yeah, I like that. Um, but so basically, now you know it's, it doesn't matter if I really was lucky or not. I have a documented list yearly of every generous thing I was received that was unexpected. Almost like a gratitude. Like you said, almost like like a gratitude. gratitude And if you, and if you think about it, Oh, someone gave me, Oh my God, I was at a cafe. Someone gave me half of their sandwich. Isn't that bizarre? This was before COVID. I think after, (laughs) I don't think I would be like, no, thanks. But but it was very bizarre, you know? So anyway, I started to notice all these bizarre moments. Like people were just, I was just getting free stuff or like, there'd be like a $20 bill on the ground, like your luck. Like I would just be like, so for whatever, if it's true or not, like I feel lucky looking at this list. And then fast forward, I was doing it consistently. You want to know like how lucky I got? Yeah. Okay. I'm a cat mama. Like I said, how many cats do you have? Only two. I have like a sane amount of cats. Okay. That's good. (laughs) Okay, so but, big confession, I have four. Oh, <laughs> my God. I did not meet. I was, no, no, I was no. you know, I joke. No, no, no. no okay. Trust okay. me. Totally. It's that, not that, okay, the number of cats oh, okay. I have. Well, that'll be One's me in a year. One's kind of a mistake, so. Oh, okay. 
Well, we have two dogs and we're about to get a third. Imagine. So. I love I mean, it. Uh, yeah, I have a mistake cat. That's so funny. A mistake okay. cat. Well, we have a mistake dog, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, how, he's 14. We're like, any day now. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> well, the most lucky I've ever been, I just got randomly um, gifted. I guess Amazon messed up, so it's, it was actually a gift. I didn't have to pay it. But they gave me 17 cases of Fancy Feast. Holy shit. This was during 2020 when I had zero money. Was that like a pallet? It was a pallet. All my neighbors were like, what the hell is going on? Like they seriously had to pull a pallet. It was $700 worth of fancy feast. And they they just set it outside my door. Your cats are like, bitch, it's Christmas. Yeah, they were like... Yes. Are we rich? But yeah, are we rich? Mom's got money. Rich in pate, baby. <laughs> Where did you even put all of it? Seriously. Well, I donated a lot of okay. it because I felt really wrong sweet. to <laughs> hoard all that, you know? Because like, there's also probably like cat food shortages at some point. <laughs> yeah. Of, like supply exactly. chain issues. Exactly. Like, why? Because it's, it's all at Ashley's it's house. Ashley's like, house. <laughs> yeah. And Amazon called me. They're like, what? You know, we don't know how this happened, but I guess you can just keep it or donate it. And I'm like, okay. But it's, I find it ironic that it happened while I was documenting all these mm. weird, free, random things given. But what's cool is you can look back over the years and be like, oh, I can't believe, you know, Jen gave me this. Da, 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 da. Oh, my God, that was so sweet of her. And, you know, so it's... I, it, lo I love that idea of doing that because I feel like we... You know, you think back over your life, you remember all the shitty things mm -hmm. that people said to you or mm -hmm. did to you first, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I remember a comment that one of my friends made to me in high school about I had thunder thighs oh, and I was That's anorexic. Mean. For me, it was my crooked nose. Crooked nose. Aww, I was like, I remember mean. the worst part is I was like, I like my nose. That's a good point. I know. You yeah. She was like, yeah. really? Because it's crooked. <laughs> Shut the and hell up. I was like, oh, Lee, that's oh. So and so then I'm, ever since I've been like, hmm, I do have a crooked nose. No. <laughs> but that's horrible because that's what embeds in our worst case scenario mm -hmm. brains. Yeah. Right? That's what we think about. And that's what we hold on to. So the fact that you're flipping the narrative of mm -hmm. how you're reforming the relationship with how you're thinking about yourself mm -hmm. and your your place in the world. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's so cool that you write it down because what I, I get like. Anytime I get a little note like up in Chicago mm -hmm. when you would teach a class and then you have a friend that's teaching after you, mm -hmm. you know, they'd leave a little note like, hope your class is great, you know, whatever. So I have a little drawer and it's getting larger over the years of all the little notes that I've gotten from students or from, you know, whatever it is. That. And so I just keep that on my desk. So if I'm having a shitty day, it's mm -hmm. like open the damn drawer and realize that you're not as shitty as you think mm -hmm. you are and you need to move the fuck on with your life and get on with it, you know? Yeah, well, the energy that all those notes hold probably feel really good. Yes, you know? true. Well, I do want to touch on one thing because we're talking about receiving. You know, it's all about, in my opinion, it's all about worthiness. D am I worthy of that free cappuccino? Do mm -hmm. I deserve it? You know, and, and I had to realize, yes, I deserve all the compliments, all the things, all the fancy feasts. You know, I mean, not for myself, you know, <laughs> I don't eat fancy feasts. <laughs> But you might have tried it when there's seven hundred dollars worth of it. That <laughs> was quite fancy. I would have humans. just. I would have loved to have been your neighbor when that shit showed up on your front porch. <laughs> just be like, oh, she's single and she's got a pallet of cat, cat food. Pallets. I'm also yeah. just imagining it like those videos where you open a door and it's all snow. It's like you open it and you just hit all cat food. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. like that. It was like you were there. Vision. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of want you to send us a picture if you yeah. have a picture of the palette. I'll, I'll look back. Yeah. I'll, I might have one. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hysterical. That would be hysterical. 
So I wanted to ask you really mm -hmm. quickly too. So we talked about like, hey, you know, you went into yoga class, not a great experience, you know, kind of figuring things out, feeling like I didn't know my body well enough. Mm -hmm. So can you pinpoint places mm -hmm. in your life where you noticed the shift of mm. yoga, physical practice on your mat, meditation, whatever, moving into your life. Like I noticed when I went through mm. teacher training that I was speaking clearer to my kids mm -hmm. because I was cueing them actively to do things. You know, sit down, reach your arms up, grab the tape paper towel holder, <laughs> grab this and clean the countertop, oh, you know? It's yeah. like everything got clearer. So I noticed that it was bleeding and rippling into my life. Do you have any of those little moments? I think I think I do. Yeah. Like when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, wow, no one's ever asked me that. And um, OK, so the moment I'm going to start with, like, kind of the, the seed that was planted. So I loved how eloquently all my yoga teachers spoke and how comfortable they were with public speaking and how grounded they seemed and how they could just hold a conversation in a group in front of people. And even though I had been a Pilates teacher for a while, keep in mind that was mostly one-on-one -on -one or yeah. small groups. It was never a group of yeah. 20. Mm -hmm. So there was a public speaking part of me that was very afraid as I was considering yoga teacher training, but not sure. But I knew I wanted whatever they had, mm -hmm. right? And, oh, okay, another, okay, so, so I think... For me, that was, I did the teach, it, it really took for me a teacher training, getting comfortable with teaching in a group and getting over, honestly, like the anxiety of speaking in a big group. Yeah, it's like, a lot. That was a huge turning point for me. And I, I had to use the skills of yoga that I, specifically yoga that I learned, like alternate nostril breathing. Mm -hmm. I had to... Um, you know, when you're standing, unlock my knees so I'd feel the ground, lift up, connect to source, like call on yeah. call on my spirit guides, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, I had to really own like, oh, you're bad at public speaking. So like, let's use that yoga mm -hmm. to like work on it, you know. Pull and it out. If pull you. it out. Mm -hmm. And then the other the other profound moment. And this this is like me after I was certified and it took a lot of time I had a regular yoga practice I had yoga friends we would they I mean literally I mean literally energetically I had walls on my heart I was very hardened yeah and protective mode very right? protective yeah and and I could I remember one day I was out at this creek and I could just feel the walls like I only had like two walls on the back of my heart I know this is real woo woo but no it's not but I remember like just saying, I want these to come off. And like, I think within a week I could just start to feel a shift. And, mm. and I think more than anything, you know, in your my yoga teacher training, they asked, what, what do you want to get from this training? Mm. What one word? And mine was expansion mm. and boy, did it deliver. Um, so it wasn't really any one moment. It wasn't really like, it was like processes of moments. Yes. And I mean, it's, gives me tricep chills like to reflect right. and look back because I've never really like sat down and talked to y'all to anyone about that um that's really cool though but it's it is it's like a sometimes you don't recognize it in the moment mm -hmm. that it's happening but mm -hmm. you recognize it years later when you look back and you're like god I was such an asshole you know but then <laughs> yes. yoga made me more patient yeah it made me more open to listen 
you know, and what you're talking about public speaking, uh-huh. you know, uh, for me, I worked in the beer industry before mm. I became a yoga teacher. So speaking publicly was fine for me mm-hmm. because it was in a work environment. Mm. But when I had to get up in teacher training and teach for the first time, I started crying and I mm. got so mad at myself. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You can talk in a room full of hundreds of people. Like, why is this bothering you? But it was because it was me. It wasn't the stuff. It wasn't, wasn't the, the beer. Yeah. It wasn't the sales. It was me speaking and trying to hold space and help other people alleviate their own suffering, mm-hmm. right? Co-create mm-hmm. this experience with them so that they feel not judged and that they, you know, language to me is super important. The way that you speak to your, te- you know, your students and being able mm-hmm. to say to them, you know, I, I kind of, it might be like a little kind of itchy issue with a lot of yoga teachers right now, but I believe in action-oriented cueing and saying things like, reach your arms up, Mm -hmm. right? In the Mm -hmm. industry, we hear a lot of lifting the fingers. It's Mm. like, well, whose fingers? Where the fuck are these fingers coming from? (laughs) Right? Like, it's yours, right? And if I say, lift your fingers up, Mm -hmm. then it's different than if I say, like, maybe you can try to lift the fingers off the mat and it's like wait who are you talking to and now I get pissed because I'm like what if I can't do it Mm. now I'm a loser Mm. so I feel like the less is less is more right so when you first taught your first yoga class was it like mine like a total shit show well (laughs) thank you for I thought I uh, blocked that from my memory so thank you (laughs) for talking yeah sorry good luck (laughs) no it was uh, so you know, there was, I, to be frank, there was a lot of ego when I was like in my mid 20s. I mean, I mean, I don't think I've met a kid in yeah, the mid 20s that doesn't have a little bit of that. So I'm like reflecting and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> like that emoji where their teeth are like, oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think for my test, you know, I had to practice teach. Okay. So the feedback I got when I was practice teaching amongst like, People, mind you, that I've already taught Pilates, I was then teaching them yoga, like, on the side, like, because you have to get a few teaching hours under your belt. And I was a different person when I would teach um, yoga, and they, you know, the feedback I got was like, oh, my God, you need more confidence. And I was like, oh, that's so painful to hear. Oh, that hurts. My stomach stomach just dropped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The truth hurts, but they were right. And um, I did, you know, eventually... (laughs) get more confidence but Mm -hmm. um yeah I mean that was that was really rough um yeah I mean it was I was nervous yeah yeah I just remember being nervous and because I was nervous um it that felt like a shit show yeah yeah so my I probably cried after yeah I'm like a cry in silence like in my little corner in my room exactly I I won't cry in front of people yeah Yeah, you'll hold it until you get out yeah um when you were talking about, oh man, I think I just lost my turn of thought too. It was a really good question about, oh yes. So you were talking about like getting confident and like public speaking, getting in front mm-hmm. of a group of people and speaking. So when I went through teacher training and when I teach teachers now, mm-hmm. I try my best to give them like rituals, like little things that they can do before they go oh. in to teach. Um, I had a teacher a friend a while back that said she does a power pose before she goes into the studio and like just stands there like superwoman for a second and kind of takes a deep breath in and out. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got my students that I mentor, I make them mala bracelets with their other teachers, you know, stones for their birthdays on it, little things. But what I, uh, my ritual is 
I wash my hands and I wash my feet before I go in and after I leave mm. so that I kind of, it's like a cleansing of like, I'm not bringing anything into the space and I'm not taking anything with me. Mm. Do you have mm. any of those things that you find that you do? Yeah. So I actually do that. At, I do the hand washing after. So I like wash myself, you know, from yep. that. Yep. Yeah. Um, I do just such an earth sign. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> So I have a I have a tendency of like not breathing when I'm like I'm like okay I'm getting ready for class I'm gonna just not breathe mm. and so I deliberately it's so simple but I deliberately take deep breaths I deliberately feel the ground either I sit on the ground or I have my feet on the ground um, but then the big thing I do is I learned how to do this I, who, I don't um, this really cool woman who's like in her seventies who's like a mother to me taught me this. She's like in the metaphysical world. Mm -hmm. um, is it her? Maybe. <laughs> now you're like, I'm going to give her credit. Yeah. Um, I'll usually, like in a class, I'll center the group. We have our eyes closed or soft gaze. And then I'll, I'll as we're finishing our alms or as we're finishing our exhales or whatever, I tap my heart three times. Mm. And then I ha tap the crown of my head three times because... I want to speak from my heart and then I want to connect to source, you mm -hmm. know, I want like something bigger than myself to help hold space. And then for, I work with the divine mother, which is this, that's like kind of one of my, you know, go to's is mm -hmm. like, I ask, I call in the divine mother for whatever it's worth. Right. Well, I love that. You need to have something to hold on to something, you know, mm -hmm. you have to have mm -hmm. that kind of little anchor within you that mm -hmm. you know, it's not like, you have to pull it from someplace else and attach it or Velcro it to yourself. It's mm -hmm. like you have it within you. It's just blowing out the bullshit. Blowing out the bullshit. And then wouldn't you think like what I've had, what the biggest, most profound thing shift with yoga is dropping from my head down into my heart. Like that has been the biggest shift for me because when I was in my head all the time, I was just so anxious and so judgmental of myself, you know, stories, stories about not being worthy, like, you mm -hmm. know, the hamster wheel. Yep. And so I think like this tapping on my heart is that reminder of like, oh yeah, yoga taught you to like drop down in your heart. So let's just use that. That's you a know? good, that's a really cool tactical way or t is that right? Yeah. Tactical? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sounded weird. Tactile. It. Tactile. That's it. Tactical's like if I'm in the army and I'm Yeah, maybe. Going, like, Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Tactics. I was like, no, it's right. Yeah, you're, you're like, good. and she's a school teacher. <laughs> no, you're good. You're right. Tactical, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Tactile. But Tactile. that's a really neat kind of way of tapping into yourself beforehand. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Literally. And then considering what you've learned about yourself, like these skills, this insight, mm. this like even ability to receive. What can others learn from you? Um, ooh, well, that's a <laughs> because I'm a teacher. So I guess whatever it is that they want to learn that's in the realm of yoga, Pilates and meditation, you know, I, have, I feel like I have a variety. I think what I have to offer is, you know, I teach a lot of out of towners I teach a lot of skeptics I teach mm. a lot of people who've never done meditation Love I it. what my superpower is as a teacher is I make it relatable to that individual so if it's like a bro who his girlfriend dragged him into yoga and he's terrified you know the yes. type oh yeah I 
I'm I'm all I'm all for that challenge. I also teach aerial yoga, which oh, dear new people, they're like terrified. They're like looking at me like, "What did I sign up for?" I'm like, "It's gonna be okay." Dude, I bought a couple area silks when I was in Chicago because uh-huh. we had a great basement where I could hang them, uh-huh. and I had so much fun learning. And I went through a little training on it. But then a few years ago, I went to a studio in San Antonio, uh-huh. and I was like, "These bitches are doing way more shit than I learned how to do." I'm like, I am dying Uh it's so hard it's it can be so intense so I think I'm a really good intuitive person I can read the individual I can read the room I want people I don't ever want if if I can help it I don't ever want people to be turned off about physical movement right I want them to feel inspired so I'm I'm really careful like how I present things I want it I always want it accessible for people that's awesome yeah that's awesome. This was a great conversation. Like yeah, I really it was. Liked it. Thank it's you. Nice to learn about you, and I I do think that you're lucky, but I also think that you're very very worthy of everything that's but you've had, and there's more to come. Ashley, what you're doing in the yoga world, and for people, for skeptics, for people that are newbies, beginners, it's huge, and we need more people like you in the world. So thank oh, you so thank much. You. That's so sweet. Thank that's you. True. Where can people find you, Ashley? Well, I'm all over the place online. Uh, AshleyWeberYoga.com is my website. That's like my catch-all to all the stuff I do. Um, Yoga and podcast is, I'm the creator and host. Um, You can find me on Instagram. We even have a TikTok now. I don't know what I'm doing on TikTok. We don't either. Well, actually, Mia knows what she's doing, but I have no flipping clue. I just feel like an old lady looking stupid. I'll ask Mia what what TikTok's about. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, those are the places you can find me the easiest. So I hope to connect with you. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Adrian, I absolutely loved that interview. It blew all of my expectations out of the water. I think I was super nervous meeting someone new who we didn't have a relationship with prior to interviewing. God, that was really, it was, it was really intimidating because me and I have been working together for years, but we decided on this podcast, like legit in November said, Hey, let's do a podcast. Okay. I'll get the mics. We'll get the setup. And by January, we're planning and recording and middle of February was our goal. We made it and we have been podcasting now for a few months and it's crazy. But going up there and having a chance to interview someone that we didn't know, someone that, um, you know, was kind of a a big deal to us, kind of a big deal, Ashley, is what you are, (laughs) because you have interviewed like Leslie Kamenoff and some of the people that I love in the business. And for you to be uh, willing participant in a brand new podcast to tell your yoga origin story was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, the library was a beautiful setup. So all you podcasters out there, make sure you check out your local library for free space rentals because it actually works really well. Um, Ashley was just funny and lovely and very open. I felt like she was a sister from another mister, you know, like I've known her for a long time. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it just blows me away every time the way yoga has an impact on people and touches people uh, in unique ways, right? In different ways. Mm -hmm. But every time it moves me, every time I just feel gratitude for this practice and the way that it carries us. Mm -hmm. And I think gratitude's a great word to describe Ashley's story, right? This idea of being open and receiving what is ours, right? Yeah. It's already ours. Like so many of these things that are coming our way are meant for us, but we're closed off to it. Yes. 
Big time. Well, and if you think about it from Ashley's perspective too, is like she said, um, you know, to slow down and to uh, have the ability to receive, mm-hmm. right? The You have the ability to receive and you're worthy of receiving it. And for all of us, we're always saying, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not talented enough. But why are we comparing ourselves to other people when we should be diving deep inside to see what are we really amazing at? What is our gifts instead of thinking that everyone else knows us better than we know ourselves? Right. I think it's a self-preservation thing as well. When Mm. stepping into your gifts, stepping into your path or your truth can be really intimidating because it might not be what's traditional or what's expected Mm. of you. And so you close yourself off because you want to stay with what is certain. You want to stay with what has a stable income. You want to stay Mm -hmm. with the health benefits, right? When I think about especially yoga, right? If you are stepping into teaching yoga full time, that can be very intimidating. It's probably not what you expected for yourself growing up. It's probably not what your parents expected for you growing up. (laughs) It's not what your neighbor's going to expect you to say when you say, what do you do full time? And they might even like have a little pity for you because like, there's not the health benefits. Nope. There's not the sustainability of other careers. And so I think also you close yourself off to your gifts or you close yourself off to your passions because those things don't seem certain. But the truth is when you step into your truth, when you step into your dharma is what we call it, right? Mm-hmm. Then so much else will follow. And I'm a really big believer that if what you have to offer is genuine and it's true, then it is going to land and resonate with someone else. And so much will snowball off that. Absolutely. And how interesting it too, like she is talking about how when she went through teacher training, like right before she went through teacher training, actually, she's talking about how, you know, this feeling of um, fear of public speaking, right? And like that she was intimidated to do that and that that yoga helped her kind of gain that foundation, but it wasn't the yoga itself. It was her. It was her saying like, I can do this. I can talk in front of one person teaching Pilates. I can teach in front of 20 people teaching yoga, you know, and it's, it is that vulnerability. It is stepping into a place where you're kind of showing your uniqueness. You're showing your colors, right? Like who you're made of. And I just, for me, I've always kind of lived myself like that. Like I've always just been like, this is who I am. Love me or leave me, you know, and, and it hurts when they leave and it's great when they love and they stay, but you have to be able to be content with yourself. So like the theme that you had talked about of gratitude, right. And getting into Santosha, Mm -hmm. which is one of the Niyamas of the Yamas and the Niyamas. So think about it like this, your Niyamas are kind of your uh, path to a positive relationship within yourself, right? How do you look at yourself? How do you analyze yourself? How do you show up? The other piece of it is the yamas, which is your representation in the outside world. How do you show up for others? So niyama of santosha is contentment. And that is a very powerful word, right? I used to think content was a negative. Mm. I'm just content. What does that mean? You're not happy or you're sad? I'm okay with what it is, right? Like yeah. it's almost like giving up. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, what What does that mean? Like, are you happy? What's What does that mean? But when you really dive into it and you look at it, and I think you and I talked about this before was, you know, all the things that you want 
that you think that you need or that you think that you desire because someone else has it or that's the way you were taught growing up that everyone should have this ability or gift or whatever instead of just seeing like, hey, I have all of this other stuff, right? And this other stuff is what makes me so amazing and why we don't hold ourselves accountable to being content with the fact that we are our own selves amazing. Right, right. And if you're starting to wonder like, well, how do I go about practicing contentment? The first thing to know is just don't beat yourself up, right? Like I think it's really natural for our mind and our thoughts to go so many other places. We have something like 70,000 unique or individual thoughts every single day. And so your mind is going to drift. Your mind has this ability to be in the past, the present, and the future. But that sense of contentment is going to come from the present moment. So there is this need for mindfulness to be mindful of where you're at in this exact moment. Maybe you take a moment right now and consider where am I? What am I doing? What is everything that has already worked out right for me? Mm -hmm. For me to be right here in this moment, for me to get to this point in my day, what has everything that has happened that's gone right for me? And that in itself is practicing mindfulness. It's practicing contentment. It's a super small thing. Maybe you set yourself like a little reminder that goes off mm -hmm. at like the 12th minute of every hour and you sit there and you reflect or maybe you put yeah. a sticky note on your dashboard and it's just being present in the moment. Absolutely. And having that, you know, you say it's easy, right? But for some reason, it leaves our thought process instantaneously. Absolutely. And then as soon as we're getting in bed, we're like, damn, I forgot to do my gratitude journal today, or I forgot to do this today. And but, it's not easy. I don't, yeah, yeah. I know me, it's so easy to get off track. Exactly. <laughs> so like you said, setting that alarm or setting that reminder and having that, and I do kind of like that you said hourly, like I was thinking like, oh, you know, like once or twice a day, but that kind of consistency of pattern behavior, you know, when you're talking about your brain and neuroplasticity, right? Like we're actually talking about rewiring the way that you think about yourself, the way that you see yourself and how you identify and familiarize yourself with yourself and your relationship with others. But like when you can discern between the stories that you've been told in your head and that you keep telling yourself and instead what you actually feel, right? Like not feel from like a, you know, just physical sense, but just like, how do you embody that passion inside of you? Like what makes you excited every day? Is it your, is it your job? Is it your, um, uh, you know, hobbies? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Like there are reasons that you are ignited by these passions and these passions come up and those where you find those almost little bits of bliss moments throughout your day, lean into those more. Yeah. And throughout the day, and I say that hourly because like you said, we're rewiring our brain. Mm -hmm. And I think where that came for me from is my dad and I went to Magnolia Grove. It's a Buddhist monastery in the middle of Mississippi. So random. No way. Yeah. It's the, um, from the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh. He has three monasteries. It's California, Mississippi, and Paris. <laughs> Like, I don't know what? how they landed on Mississippi. Mississippi. But, mm -hmm. Magnolia Grove, I highly recommend it. They have all kinds of retreats. And my dad and I went, um, when I was in college, we went together. And every time a bell would ring, you had to stop whatever you were doing and take three rounds of breath. 
And it just made you pause and contemplate, where am I? What am I doing? And of course, I was just in this beautiful setting, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. I was probably loving what I was doing. But sometimes we'd be in the middle of washing dishes and we'd have to stop. Everyone around you would stop and just take these three moments to yourself. Um, So if a phone would ring, if a... Uh, like gong would yeah. ring out throughout the whole monastery if the alarm clock went off, if anything. Oh, it was any bell any that went bell, off. Any bell, any oh. bell. And so some things you knew, okay, the dinner bell's going to ring at 5 p.m. and right. the go-to-bed bell's going to ring at 9 p.m. and the wake-up bell's going to ring at 5 a.m. Yeah. But even the phone ringing before anyone would answer it, they would take three rounds of breath. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. See, I am I was literally picturing a guy in a bell tower ringing it, every ringing hour. it out every hour or yeah. like surprise surprise you know <laughs> yeah like no, on a whim any bell and any so bell. we I didn't have that. our cell phones but I've thought about that when I left of in the classroom and I, I really only stuck to it during COVID when I had like five kids and I was like super easy to inspire five kids to yeah. take on a mindfulness practice yeah. but we would do that where if like my phone chimed because I got a text message or, you know, my team's message came through from a colleague, like mm. me and my group of three to four students would take like a mindful breath and then we would go like it was just a nice pause. I like that a lot. I think that that is definitely it's I try to take the mindset or perspective of think before you speak. Um, I'm not always great at that. as Many of my friends can attest to my family, but I work on it. And I think that that's the biggest thing is it's not about achieving this prize. This is about a daily kind of um, regulation of your nervous system, right? So it's the same way that you keep engine oil and gas in your car, the same thing, like you have to keep a maintenance of what's going on and your brain can get all jacked up on all these other ideas, thoughts, and interests. And as people, we're, we're humans are natural storytellers. We tell ourselves stories all the time. You know, when I look at new bodies that come into my yoga classes and I look at them and I'm excited to have them in class and see them move And when they say, oh, well, you know, I can't touch my toes, you know, I'm not limber enough, I'm not flexible enough, or yeah, my, I can't bend my hip that way because I have arthritis. It's like, yeah, you're telling yourselves all these stories. Yes, yes, yes. There's stuff about what doctors say, right? Remember, we're not doctors, we're just yogi podcasters. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about your body it's why do we have such limitations and self-doubting beliefs about ourselves? Why can't we just show up and be like, let's see what happens, mm-hmm. you know? And our abilities and yeah. our confidence. Everything. And how we just show up in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think contentment, you know, is is not being unhappy or not being neutral. It's about recognizing all around you. And inside you. What is. Yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of what you think maybe was before, could be, should be, I'll be happier when this happens. Like stop with the limiting bullshit and just sit, like you said, and just take a few breaths. And I loved her story about how she took her list, right? And she's got her small little mementos and gifts. And she also has, what was it? A pallet of cat food, <laughs> like <laughs> 17,000 cans of fancy feast, something like that. I don't know about 17,000. <laughs> I just 
can't stop thinking about like her standing in the doorway with her cats and like all <laughs> like her, just this fucking wall full of fancy bees cat food but that yeah I mean all like the little things that she noticed like that's something that if you're focused on the negative all the time that's all you're ever gonna freaking see you know it's 100% true that you'll see what you want to see have you ever done this as a game like with yourself it's kind of a little main mind fuckery but it's kind of neat to do it is if you go to a mirror and you look at yourself in the mirror but you first before you look in your mirror you stand in front of the mirror close your eyes and you start to think really beautiful thoughts about yourself. Like, oh, I'm having a great hair day. You can't see my side sleeping wrinkles on my face. Like I don't have, you know, all of the uh, furrow brow. Um, and I start thinking really positive thoughts about myself. Then I open my eyes and I'll see that. Mm. But if you start and try it the other way, close your eyes and just think, oh my gosh, my cheeks are so fat. I got droopy like what's that dog's name on the cartoons? I don't know. It's an old cartoon dog um, with the jowls. Like a basset hound. Yeah, like a basset hound kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, or like um, my skin feels blotchy and then you open your eyes. That's exactly what you're focused on. Mm. And that is just a simple little exercise that you can do with yourself at home to recognize how am I thinking about myself today, right? Even if you just close your eyes, take a few breaths, then open them, what do you see? And if you can start to rewire your brain, which we all know is scientifically plausible, possible, achievable, freaking take the time to do it because no one else is going to fucking do it for you. No, definitely not. That's why we wanted this podcast to be out there is like cut through the bullshit of people trying to make us feel like we should be somebody that we're not or to look like somebody that we're not. I don't want to look like the bitches on Instagram. I don't want to look like those people. I want to be myself. And I, I want to be comfortable as yes, myself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's comfortability in the skin that I'm in rather than comparing and contrasting. Because the thing is, I could then go look like someone who's on Instagram or I could change all these things about myself. But if I have not found contentment in me, those things won't matter. No. I'm still always going to be searching for something else. And I think... Um, I mean, I can attest to it as someone who struggled with disordered eating growing up. There's never, you're never going <laughs> to, it's, it's tough. Yeah. You're just never going to be happy, right? Right. No matter how right. much weight I lost, I thought I needed to lose more because I was not, I was not comfortable being me. Yeah. Right. I was not comfortable in my body. And so it was, it was a coping mechanism, right? Weight loss was a coping mechanism and food a restriction. Yep. Was a control, a control mechanism, a coping mechanism. And those don't have endpoints, right? Yeah. yeah. They don't have endpoints. Yeah. Um, they're unobtainable and it's, it's a disorder. And so there's a lot of things that go into that, but, um, but it is possible over time to rewire those thought processes. Oh, absolutely. It does take a long time though. Mm -hmm. And we're not in a place in a society yet where we accept people with disorders as something different. Like I say to my kids and I say to myself, like I don't have mental disorders like anxiety, depression, ADHD. I have gifts, right? Those are my gifts. And if I look at them as gifts, because it does make my brain order differently than yours, but that doesn't mean that it's a 
something wrong with me. It's not a disorder, but instead it's what makes me unique. And when I started to think about it that way, I was then way more open talking about the fact that I have anxiety, that I have depression, that I have ADHD and being open to being like, yeah, I'm fucked up just like everybody else is. And I own my fuck up <laughs> and I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's not that I'm this bad person or disordered person. I actually have it. And it steers me sometimes in the right way. I don't know. I just hate the like idea of like, well, I'll be happier when this happens. Or mm -hmm. if I had money, then I'd be happy. Or if I had this, then I'd be that. And when you're constantly looking for something, you are missing out on the moments. You're missing out on the beauty around you. Just little things like we got a puppy a week ago, right? Not even a week ago. And just little things like we're watching her sleep and she's got her head on her little paws and, you know, she has these little puppy breath and her feet still smell like popcorn and you know, all these like little things that if you are not in the moment present and happy or content with who you are and how you came about here, go home, you know, figure it out. So contentment is when you're actively differentiating between situations that you can and you cannot change, right? So it's like you're genuinely content with your situation. It's not probably perfect, but you're still actively looking for ways to improve and you're happy with that process too. So it's not about like, cause complacency is faking it, right? It becomes a very forced way. It's like, I'm complacent. I'm content. That's two totally different things. When you're working in contentment, it's really where you're actively differentiating the situations like, yes, I can change this. No, I can't change this. And no matter what, I'm happy and I am improving and I'm happy with that process that's coming to me. And I think that's why next week we are definitely going to bring this little gratitude list that Ashley mentioned. And that's going to be our follow-up episode. It's how to take this yoga into a personal practice off of your mat into your life. It's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I feel like when we have an opportunity to give you something small from a little gift from one of our interviewees, you know, one of our guests, I feel like that is really when, where we want to live from. You know, we want to share these little bits. Maybe it'll change your day. Maybe you won't listen. Maybe you won't even want to listen. But these little bonus episodes are there for you to start to incorporate some of these little pieces of um, parts of the science of yoga and the philosophy of yoga. Some other little bits that are exciting new stuff from our podcast. Ooh. We have first a buy me a coffee site. This is a way that you can support the podcast. We've said it a few times, but Adrian and I are just sitting in her bonus room. We have put all of our energy into this podcast. And so if you are willing to support us and you're looking for some additional content, you are craving more ways to take your practice off of the mat and into your life. We have a section of our Buy Me a Coffee where you can get additional meditations, additional journal practices, additional guidance in this personal practice. And then if you're also craving some movement, we have a section where you can practice 
asana with us, right? Yeah. We are going to guide you through some practices. So that's one exciting thing. The other is we have a red bubble site now. So we have been really enjoying <laughs> these interviews and we have just taken a few little tidbits from these interviews and we've made some really cool limited edition stickers. So we have at least one for Ashley. I actually just thought of another and I kind of want to throw it up there too. Oh, good. I was so. just thinking about one too. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and so these are just cute, fun little stickers. They're vinyl. You can throw them on your laptop, throw them on your water bottle. Uh, and so these will only be up for one month at a time just because we want to kind of move them in and out as we interview new people. Check out our Buy Me a Coffee. It is linked in our show notes as well as our Redbubble site. Yep. You can also check us out at howyogachangedmylife.com. Follow us, email us. We want to hear stories from you too. Send us, even if it's a short story, maybe it's something funny that happened in yoga class or your most embarrassing moment or anything like that. Share with us a little bit about your practice. This has been a really fun way to get to know people on a very deep level, very quickly. Um, and I hope that you guys are enjoying it. So don't forget to uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow our show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a lovely day. We'll see you on the flip side. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Ye